Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to see you tonight. Really is good to be here. And again, uh, just great to be with your pastors, John and Chloe. Love these guys. Have a lot of fun with them. Had great sushi for lunch, didn't we, today? Fantastic sushi. Who? Sakata. Whatever you're saying over there. Hey, uh, so what I get to do, I get to do week three with you for your series, Wish You Were Here. And uh, I've jumped online and listened to both the previous weeks and just great messages. And so what I want to do as someone that, that is a little bit older in years than Jono is he said a statement last week uh, in, the, in the sharing the word here. He said, what would an older you say to a younger you? And so tonight I want to give you what I, an older Ross would say to you, predominantly younger people tonight. Because our goal is, is that we want you to get to the end of the journey. You know, whether you are a follower of Christ or not, the, the fact is, is that God has a plan for your life. You know, by the end of this year, it, the World Health Organization are predicting that mental illness will be the second leading cause to disease worldwide. Uh, uh, so we have a generation of people dwelling and resting in hopelessness and anxiety, not knowing if there's a way out. And we have a creator God who made you for purpose and made you for influence and made your life to, to count and values you. And yet so many of us don't know that and don't understand that. And so tonight, a part of my goal is to help you to say and to see that the journey has stuff take place in it. And the question that Jono said last week, what would an older you say to a younger you? I want to let you know what I would say to you and will say to you, and it's simply this, don't run from discomfort. When pain and suffering come around your life, don't be one of the many that has an exit strategy. Let me read to you from one of the great philosophers of the 20th century, Dr. Zeus. He said this in... Oh, the places you'll go, you will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. But mostly they're darked. A place where you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? There is a statement in church life that if you haven't heard it, hang around long enough and you will. When people are going through stuff and when people are going through some discomfort or some suffering or some sort of grief in their life, very well-meaning people, I've been one of them over the years, will come up to you and say this statement. They'll say, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. We mean well by it. It it makes a great t-shirt or bumper sticker. But the problem is, it's actually not a biblical statement. We say it because we think, well, number one, we don't know what else to say, but we think we're actually helping people. But tonight I want to show you what the role of discomfort, what the role of pain actually plays in our life. And I want to read to you from the book of Corinthians where this statement, where this catch cry actually comes from. Before I read it, let me give you a little bit of context about the city of Corinth. 
Corinth was known as the epicenter of trade. It was known as the place where if you wanted to be tempted, you went to Corinth. Okay, it was known as Temptation Island. There was there was uh, 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 sexual promiscuity. There was gambling. There was uh, 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 you know so many things happening there in Corinth. It's the place that you went if you wanted to play around. Uh, I, Kathy and I live on the Gold Coast, and so you know you and we never go to Surface Paradise because you only go to Surface Paradise if you if you, you, you go there to play around. You know, you go there to play up. You know, when schoolies come to the Gold Coast every year, they're not looking for a more righteous life. They're there to, to, to run right in that place. Well, that's what Corinth was like. And so Paul writes to it and he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He's writing to the Christians. He says this, the temptations, that word temptation, t- temptations means no trial regarded as enticing to sin in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, not if, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I want you to see what Paul doesn't say in this scripture is he doesn't say, hey, you can just expect minimal suffering in your life. He doesn't say that hardship, uh, 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 God won't give you more hardship than you can handle. In actual fact, this verse that people take, well-meaning people take to try and give comfort to people who are hurting is actually taken right out of context. Because the context is Paul is talking to people like you and I who are in a trial or a temptation that if we continue to follow it, we will find ourselves trapped in some form of sin, some sort of habit in our life. Let, let, let me make this applicable. Uh, uh, almond croissants are a favorite of mine. If you don't know what one is, you need to go out and get yourself a life, okay? Discover an almond croissant. And when they are made the way they should be made, then nothing beats them. One of those with a long black with a dash of milk is just fantastic, now, now, here's the thing about almond croissants. They are like a little puppy in a pet store. You know, when you go into the pet store and the, the little puppy's out the front and it looks at you with these and it's in the cage and it looks at you with those eyes that just say to you, take me home with you. I'm perfect. I'll never wee on the carpet. I'm a perfect puppy. That's what almond croissants do to you when you walk past them in the pastry cabinet. They, 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 you know, they are the equivalent. They're the carbohydrate equivalent of cocaine. They, they are so, so addictive. Now, here's the thing about them. I know if, God has, if God's will for my life is to have one, this is what I do. I say, Lord, I know where they sell almond croissants on the Gold Coast. And if I drive around and if there's a car park out the front, I know it's your will that I should pull in and buy an armor croissant. And let me look, at least on the seventh time around, there is always a car park right out the front. Every time. Always happens. Now, that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying this. When you're in a temptation or a trial and you're tempted by it, God is faithful. He will always give you a way out. So you don't have to continue. You know that, that, that person that maybe you go to the gym and, you know, you're married, you go to the gym and there's some young girl, some young guy, and you see them and you kind of watch them and you, you know, by coincidence, every time you go there, they're at the gym too. And, you know, she just happens to drop a towel in front of you and pick it up just like that. And 
you're tempted to wear your singlet to the gym more often and, you know, try and, you know, uh, uh, bench press a little bit more when she's around. And this is what Paul's saying. When you're tempted and you know that it's going to lead somewhere to some sort of sin, it's going to lead you captive somewhere, understand the character of God. He is faithful. He always gives you a way out. He always gives you a person you can call. He always gives you a spouse you can rely on. He always gives you an avenue to avoid that temptation. That's why small groups are so important in the life of this church. He gives you a group of people that love you, that call you out when you're being led astray. That's why what that verse, that scripture actually means. So when you are tempted, understand when people say to me, oh, it just happened, you know, you know, we were together in the car and we just found ourselves in the back seat naked. You go, you just found yourself there. What, you were transported supernaturally from the front seat, stripped bare into the back seat. Know that there is a process that happens and I can tell you right now that somewhere in that process probably when you're thinking about driving that young lady up to some secluded place there's an opportunity for you because God is faithful to avoid that temptation it could simply be when you see your mother ringing you saying answer the call because mum's going to say get your butt home right now that's what Paul's talking about has nothing to do with pain and suffering so when we go to someone and say, and they're in deep grief, and we say, hey, just so you know, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, it's actually wrong. Because let me also show you what Paul says later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I love this. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So Paul's writing saying, I was so overwhelmed that it took me to the point where I thought I was going to die. Let me ask you, if you saddled up to Paul tonight, and Paul had just told you that's how he's feeling. You'd say, hey, Paul, by the way, God won't give you more than you can handle. I don't reckon that would go over real well with the Apostle Paul. Because what he's saying in this verse is he felt like he had way more than he could handle. And here's the truth. If you could handle it, why do we need God? So understand something about God and understand something about what Paul is saying. Paul is saying here that there were times in his life where he was so overwhelmed, he was despairing of life itself. And what often happens when we encounter seasons like that and why so many followers of Christ sometimes try and avoid and run from the discomfort? Because we know when discomfort, when suffering, when pain happens in our life or in the lives of loved ones, it creates questions. And it places doubts within us. And a lot of people don't like questions and we don't like doubts because we think somehow our questions to God and our doubts about God offend Him. And yet when you read through the New Testament, you see some of those that hung with Jesus themselves doubting. And yet why is it today that we think that we can't question that when we see grief hit a person's life, that we don't sit there and go, God, what are you doing? Where are you? When 
I was younger when I was a youth pastor in the generation that I was trained in and grew up under, you weren't allowed to express your questions. If you had doubt, it was considered a lack of faith in your life. And so what we would do, we would suppress our doubts and we would smile over and sing old school Pentecostal songs to drown out the doubts that were inside of us. But when I look back now, I see a whole generation of young adults that Kathy and I were meant to be leading that walked away from the church because we, we wouldn't allow them to express their doubts because we didn't have the answers to their doubts. And so we all doubted, but no one talked about it. And you got the Apostle Paul saying, hey, I want to let you know that I felt like I was overwhelmed in life. I despaired of life itself. This is what I've come to understand. A deeply committed believer can express simultaneous questions and faith. Jesus on the cross, one of the greatest questions ever, Father, why have you left me? That's a pretty big question. Jesus, Jesus in the garden the night before he dies, he, he's looking, he knows what's coming and he says, God, I'd love you to, to pass this suffering past me. Is there a way that I can avoid going through this? There were, there were questions in his soul. And then tonight I know in a crowd this size, there are questions in some of you. There are doubts in some of you. Some of you are looking at what's going on in your life and the lives of other people and it makes you wonder. And tonight I want to let you know that it's okay to have questions and faith. Both can live at the same time within us. I want to show you a diagram and I stole this from a pastor in America called Craig Grishel, but I think it explains this really, really well. It's basically your life and my life. Here's point A. That's our starting point. And here's hopefully point B where we're going to end up one day in our life. That's God's plan for our life. And this is our beginning. Now, here's the cool thing. At some point, Many people in this place made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. At the end of tonight, we're going to make an opportunity. If you've never done that all day, people have said, hey, I want to become a follower of Christ. We're going to make that opportunity for you. But for many other people, we've all made a decision to say, you know what? I want to follow Christ. And your life being a follower of Jesus began, begins at some point. For me, it was when I was 19 years old in a little uniting church in Townsville. Slipped up my hand to give my life to Christ. Been the greatest adventure I have been on ever. And so it begins. You make a decision for Christ. And this is what I know about those first few months of your walk with Christ. It's like in the first few months that God answers every prayer you pray. You know, you want a car park right in front of the mall. You get it. You don't have to pinch the handicap one. There's a car park right there. You want to date that girl. Man, she just turns around and she just wants to marry you. Not just, I mean, everything's working out for you. Your family are all starting to come to church. You know, you want that job. You pray. Your team prays around you. Your small group prays. You get the job. It's amazing. Best feeling. Everyone loves you. Everyone accepts you. But this is what happens to every single person on the journey of faith. Sooner or later, you come to what is called a crisis of belief. And what happens there, that's where suddenly your prayers aren't getting answered. Suddenly that person who loved you here judges you there. Suddenly that small group that accepted you the way you are, someone in that group talks about you behind your back. Suddenly, that, that loved one that you prayed for, that, that had a heart change or they got healed, 
Someone else you pray for doesn't get healed and they pass away. And what it creates in every single person's life is what is called a crisis of belief, where you and I start asking questions. Is this thing real? Is God real? What's he up to? How can a loving God ever allow that to happen in someone's life? And so with their real questions, we start to wrestle. And because many churches, not this one, many churches don't like that sort of language. We don't like those sort of discussions. We avoid them. What people do is they respond in one of three ways. They either try and deny reality and pretend that nothing's going wrong. They just live in what I call, it's almost like this pretend state. Oh, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. And you talk to them, you know they're not fine, but they won't be open, they won't be honest because they feel if I really told you how I was feeling, I'd be embarrassed and I'm, you know, I don't believe as much anymore. We, we feel like we're in some way have wronged God. So we try and deny reality. The second thing we can do is deny our faith. And this is what a lot of people do. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been one of these. You got burnt in church. Someone said something. You saw something. Man, you walked out the door and you said, this, this place is full of hypocrites. I'm never coming back. But we deny our faith because we didn't see God heal that person or we didn't see that thing happen anymore. And they talked about me. So we get offended and hurt. And so we just walk away. The Sunshine Coast is littered with people who have come to this point and walked away from their faith, especially in your generation, everywhere. So you can deny reality, pretend it's all going to fix itself. You can deny your faith, or there is a third option. It's called the, the Bible option. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2, this is what James says to us. He said, brothers and sisters, consider it a joy when you encounter various trials. Because the testing of your faith produces patience, it produces perseverance. And when it has had, when perseverance and patience have had their full work, you will be mature, mature, lacking nothing. We have a maturity crisis in the church. We have churches now where people, instead of walking through and working through their crisis of belief, they run away. So we have people who never mature in their faith and become mums and dads to the next generation of people who are coming through. In this space right here, we should have entrepreneurs. We should have men and women that have built businesses and failed in their businesses. We should have men and women that have had got great marriages and failed in marriages, but they haven't given up because they had a crisis of a belief. They sit in churches like this, waiting and wanting to lend a hand to any young person that may be coming to their crisis of belief so we can look at them and go, you know what? Through all your pain and disappointment, you still hung in there. You still walked through there I want to learn from you and here's your challenge is that when you get to this one I pray and I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts around this before we close I pray that you won't be one of these people but if you are I pray that you would start again and understand that whether you're a believer in Christ or not you need to understand these seasons in your life these crises in your life are going to come this is not a faith issue. This is a life issue. 
God never promised that he would deliver you from them, but he does promise he'll deliver you through them. And we've got to understand whether I'm in the church or not, stuff is going to come my way and how I handle it. Over the years, and Kathy and I started as youth pastors in 1988 and work, I know, woo, most of you weren't even born then, 1988 and working with young people, the amount, the hundreds of thousands that we have seen come and go over the years, simply because when they hit one of these times, it doesn't measure up to their expectations. They thought things would have gone better, so they just walk away. They then have multiple marriages and failures somewhere else, and many will come back to this point. I had two last Sunday night in our church on the Gold Coast. I haven't seen for 20 years, two on the same night, rock up and to sit down and say, Ross, why did I ever walk away? One of them has, been, has spent most of the 20 years in prison. Why did I walk away? You know why? Because they hit a crisis of faith, crisis of belief. They had questions. They had doubts. So they walked. The series you're in right now is called Wish You Were Here. So we've got to move from a wishbone to a backbone. Because what you need to get from letter A This is old Ross talking. To let her be is a backbone. It's an inner strength of understanding that this crap is going to happen. And I can either do it with God or I can do it without God. The choice is yours. But the Apostle Paul said there were times in his life where he despaired of life itself. So when we saddle up to someone who's going through stuff and say, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I want to let you know, God will give you more than you can handle. That's why he's God. That's why the Bible says in our weakness, he becomes strong. Let me unpack that for you as we land this flight tonight. And in just a moment, I'll get the musos to come and join me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4 Paul again is talking. He said this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we will comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort He has given us. Let me give you the first thing that God does through our pain. It's this. God uses our pain to bring us to Himself. So when you hit one of these moments in your life, they are strategic, according to Scripture, of you and I experiencing a supernatural sovereign comfort in our life. These are the moments when Kathy and I hit our marriage issue. And let me say, a lot of these issues are brought on by our own stupidity. They're brought on by bad decisions. Other people sometimes force us into these crises in our life. It's got nothing to do with us, but they just happen. Regardless on how they happen in your life, they are an opportunity as our marriage dysfunction was all those years ago for us to understand a comfort that comes from Jesus himself that without pain in my life, I would never experience. And a lot of times the reason why 
we never experience it, it's because we do one of these. We deny it's ever happened or we deny our faith. And we never actually get to the point of experiencing that deep, rich love of Christ that he has for every single life in this place. So we sing about his love. We talk about the love. But you experience it in a rich way when these things hit your life. God will comfort you. He will draw you close in seasons of disappointment and pain. I want you to see something that is so unhealthy about that statement, God won't give you more than you can handle, because that sets God up as the one who dishes out the pain. There is an unhealthy thinking for a lot of Christians that think God sits in heaven saying, you know what, to that family, I'm going to give brain cancer. To that family, I'm going to give financial ruin. To that family, the the husband's going to get killed in a car accident. That's not the God that we serve. That's not who his character is. The book of James chapter 1 verse 16 says, Don't be uh, misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. So God brings the good gifts in our life. He's not in heaven waiting to see who he dishes pain out to. That's why that statement, God won't give you more than you can handle, is so wrong. In our church on the Gold Coast, just recently we walked through a terrible tragedy where a dad who was a standout dad in our church and one of our major financial contributors and and just a, a great guy, low maintenance, high yield, just a wonderful man flying from Mwollombar to Tari with his son who was a learner flyer. I get a text on a Friday morning saying their plane hasn't landed and they can't find them anywhere on the radar and straight away your spirit just cringes. And three days later, you would have read about it in the papers, they find the wreckage into the Dorigo range and, and then to sit down with his wife and She'd only lost her father last year and now lost her husband and lost her son. To say to her, God won't give you more than you can handle, would be a slap in the face. But when I saw her at church last weekend, and when I see her other son at the front of church with his hands raised during worship, both of them saying the same thing, Ross, we are so deep in grief but we've also never experienced so much love from God and his people than ever before. You realize that there is a depth of God that these moments in our life lead us into. And when you run, you miss it. God comforts us. Let me give you the second one. It's simply this, God uses our pain to bring others to him. Verse 4, that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So not only in your pain and disappointment does God want to get close to you, but he wants to use you to become a comfort to other people. And this is the journey of getting from A to B. This is why it is so important that when this hits, you don't run away because your comfort that you experience, God's going to use it to comfort other people. You know, that's why we start the service off with singing. It's not Christian karaoke. We just don't come in. There's not a 
card out there you fill out for your, the, the songs you want to hear. I mean, we come so that your worship, when you sing, when you raise your hands, when you declare through your words, the words that we're singing, the people around you who may be in one of these seasons right now actually are comforted because of your faith. That's what's so beautiful about the church. The church isn't brick and mortar. It's not, you know, we don't go to church. If church is something you go to, it's just something you leave. We are the church. And what's so beautiful about a congregation, a a gathering of people called the church is that when it works, when we understand this principle of God wanting to comfort us so that we become a comfort to others, it changes the dynamics of why we're here. We're not here just to hear a preach and a bit of a song. Man, we are here to be an encouragement and a comfort to people who have never experienced this love. That's why you're here. And if you will stay on this journey, you can trust me in this. You can bet on it. You can bank on it. You stay on this journey. Yes, you will have some disappointments in life, but you're going to look around one time in your life and go, look at the maturity that has grown in my life. Look at where we are. Yes, there's been some loss. There's been some disappointment. There's been some pain, but I am a better person because of it. Don't be one of the statistics. That loves the fizz of church, but the minute things get tough, I'm out. Because what God does in you is for you to use that to help other people. You know, one of the challenges a church like this will face, because we have so many good-looking people here. You dress sharp, you look good. It's easy for other young people to turn up on a Sunday night and see you all. You're all out there high-fiving and trying to be cool with one another and wear the latest fad, whatever it might be. It's easy for them to come in and just look at you and think, man, this is just a country club for successful young people. The young liberal party, the young national parties are all getting together to talk about how great they are and never really see some of the pain in your life. Never understand that we're not successful people that just gather on a Sunday night to promote our success. We're actually a gathering of broken people that have found wholeness in Jesus. We've got stuff going on in our world. To finish, I want to do something that I did this morning and uh, just to kind of show how real this is for all of us. I'm going to read out a list of human conditions and I want you to think about each one that I, lift, that, I, that I read out. And if you or anyone you know has been impacted or affected by one of these conditions, at the end, I'm going to ask you to stand up. It's going to take some courage. It's not to embarrass anyone, but this is to really show you the power of what is in this church. So I'm going to read through these conditions. And then if it's you, just, just wait till the end and I'm going to get us to stand up. If you've ever suffered from deep grief, or loss, or loneliness. If you or somebody you love has ever been troubled by an addiction like alcohol, substance abuse, sex, or gambling. If you've ever been through the pain of betrayal, or of divorce, or of a broken family. If you've experienced the death of a spouse, or a child, or a loved one. If you've ever had a miscarriage, or know the ache of wanting children, but not able to have them. If you've Ever known vocational pain, failure, being terminated, or joblessness? If you've been through cancer, heart problem, or other difficult health conditions? 
If you've ever felt as a parent, you're a failure. If you've ever been the victim of emotional or physical or sexual abuse or assault. If you or somebody you love has ever suffered from anxiety, depression, phobias, or any other mental illness. If you or anyone you know has ever experienced these conditions, I want you to stand up now. I want you to have a quick look around. In this room, it's people standing everywhere. Here's the truth about anyone who's a follower of Christ. If you've suffered a major hurt in your life, you've got a major gift to offer. If you've suffered a major piece of suffering or pain, you've got a major contribution to make to other people. Not from your strength, but from your scar, from your wound. For reasons I still do not understand, shared pain creates community that untroubled triumph does not. And this does not mean that your suffering is always manageable, but it does mean that your suffering is always manageable, uh, meaningful. So tonight, in this place, right across this place, we've got people that have gone through stuff. It would be a shame that if ever we gave up at these points. Can I encourage you? Tomorrow night, I think it's at the church here, Stephen, the starting point. There's a course that's actually on called Starting Point that helps you understand the foundations of what you believe. I'd encourage anyone that's struggling with your belief systems about Christianity to come along tomorrow night because when this storm comes, you've got to know what you believe. Don't be one of the ones that just says, I'll get through on emotion. Get your roots deep because God wants to lead you on this wonderful journey called being a follower of Christ to the destination he's purposed you for. Let's pray. You know, while your eyes are closed, I want to make an opportunity for anyone tonight. And maybe you've, you're at the starting point. You're at the letter A. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. up on it and you walked away maybe you denied your faith at some point because something in church just made you man I'm, I'm out of here whatever the reason you're back here tonight and maybe you're a person that says you know what I, I haven't wanted to become a follower of Christ because I don't have all the answers I've still got all this doubt you're waiting to get everything right before you become a follower of Christ and hopefully tonight you realize you know what I'm never going to have all the Questions answered, and that's okay. I'm never going to be free from doubt, and that's okay. That shouldn't stop you from actually saying, you know what, I want to become a follower of Christ. I want to get on this journey, this faith journey from letter A to letter B. And while eyes are closed in this place, and while I look across, if you're here tonight and you say, Ross, I want to start this journey, or I want to come back and reignite this journey being a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Because I want to know who I'm praying for tonight. We're going to pray together, and I want to know who you are tonight. Just lift it up nice and high and go, hey, Ross, that's me tonight. I want to give my heart to Christ in this place. I want to get things right with God. Thank you, sir. Over there, you can put it down. Who else tonight? You say, you know what? I'm going to join that man. I know that my faith, man, I've denied it. I've walked away, but I'm back tonight. I want to start this journey in a healthy, healthy way. Quickly, as I look across, I know that there's four or five people here tonight, and I can 
feel the wrestle within your heart tonight that this is the start. You don't have to have all the questions answered. You can begin your journey tonight. Quickly, as I look across, you want to join that man tonight and say, hey, I want to get things right with God tonight. Where are you? Just lift your hand up high and go, Ross, that's me tonight. I don't want to miss another moment in this place. I want to get things right tonight. Thank you so much up the back there. That was so worthwhile waiting for for the young lady. Anyone else? You want to join those two people tonight and you say, you know what? That's me. I'm going to put my pride aside. I want to get things right with God tonight. He's got a plan for my... Thank you so much. You can put your hand down over there. And thank you so much in the middle there. You can put that hand down. Come on. Last time as I ask... Four people that have said, yep, yep, I want to get things right with God tonight. Who else is there in this place? Wonderful. I'm going to pray for you. And then um, your pastor, John, is going to come up and lead you in a prayer of salvation for those four people. But can I pray for you corporately tonight? Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Father, tonight I thank you for every single person here. Lord, I thank you for the calling that's upon lives, destiny, purpose in this place for every single one of us. And Lord, I pray tonight that there would be such a strength in lives, Lord, that no matter what we face, for when our crisis of belief comes, Father, I pray that we wouldn't deny our faith. I pray that we wouldn't deny reality. Lord, I pray that we can be, as James says, that we will become mature people Lord, that we will understand that although it hurts, that it is an opportunity to draw closer to you and to lead other people to you. That our story actually becomes a great testimony to so many people. And Father, I thank you in this church community, Lord, that the walls will not be able to contain those who are yet to be part of this story, those across this city, Father, who will be so loved by people in this place, who will be so led by people in this place, who will be so inspired by the stories of men and women in this place, how we didn't give up. Father, that this place will be filled several times over, I pray, with miracles of salvation. So, Father, tonight we thank you for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.